episode 437 of Cinematary. I'm your host, Zach Dennis, and I'm here with... Jess. And in today's episode, we're going to be going over movies that we saw this week in part one. And in part two, we're going to be kicking off our Muppet series with 1979's The Muppet Movie, as well as talking a little bit about the pilot episode of The Muppet Show from 1976. Are you excited to talk? Are you excited for your series, Jess? Because Jess just did plan this series out. Yeah. Well, me and Andrew, but I was the yeah, one. He's who, not here, so I don't give him credit. He's not here, but uh, yeah, I love the Muppets. What What is the series going to be? I don't know. I'm excited to find out. I think that they're. I just think that they're neat, and yeah, I'm really excited. And I'm excited to talk specific. I'm ex- I'm excited to compare the pilot and the. F- first movie the first muppet movie what is this movie called because it's the muppet movie the muppet movie because yeah, there was also I, the new one called confused. the muppets that's just called the muppets yeah right oh my gosh don't touch my ch- Ugh. can you did you see that frog yeah we're trying to keep this pg-13 okay i know oh i have a frog with me for those who are only listening and not watching it's, it's handsy frog it's very handsy it just yeah it's pretty pretty wildly why whatever anyway Oh my goodness, no. So, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to hear what you thought. I know what I think. Um, but I'm excited for the series, too. My Muppets are fun. They make me feel good. They make me laugh. And the end. That's it, folks. That's it. That's the episode. That's the episode. Thank you for listening. Um, if you like what we do, you should subscribe. You gonna do the you gonna do the notes for us? Oh uh, yeah, I'm gonna give a shout out to all our patrons: Chad Newsom, uh, Cam. Is Cam still a patron? Uh, this is so we're like really vamping for the beginning. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know. Ha-ha. All right, let's get we'll jump into it. Let's, let's jump just into jump it. right in. I think we just gotta jump right in, like a all right. like a frog into a pond. There you go. Well, let's make that rainbow connection. Let's make that rainbow connection. Uh, all right. I'm going to start off. I'm going to talk briefly about Babylon, which is, is I guess, bombing in theaters right now. Um, it's the latest. But I'm not going to talk about a lot about it because I know uh, Michael O'Malley has seen it. And I think it's one of those that's probably better to, like, kind of bounce off between two people. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the latest, the, the Hollywood epic from uh, Damien Chazelle, who... Uh, directed Whiplash and La La Land and First Man. Um, and this one kind of, it clearly is uh, pretty decently influenced by um, Hollywood Babylon, the Kenneth Anger piece, um, in terms of like just kind of depicting early the early days of Hollywood in this, unbri- this era of unbridled decadence and depravity. Um, where the the core of the story you're following um this uh initially he's just kind of like a kind of errand boy type person uh manny torres played by diego calva who is working uh running errands for a hollywood executive and he kind of is trying to work his way up through the movies um then you have uh margot robbie playing a actress or a burgeoning actress named nelly Leroy who um, is, again, is also trying to kind of get in the movies, um, make a name for herself. Um, you have, And then you have, uh, you have Brad Pitt, who plays a 
kind of a, a established Hollywood star named Jack Conrad. And those are the main three people that you're following through this movie. Um, it opens with like this gigantic uh, party at this uh, executive's mansion where you just see like people all over the place. There's people naked. There's people fucking each other. There's like booze all over the place. There's animals. Um, there's uh, a guy getting pissed on. Um, there's dead, you know, sex workers or like not dead sex, but OD sex workers. It's just a lot. Like that, that like it just opens you with that, and it's a lot. So it almost sounds like a Boz Lerman movie or something. It definitely kind of wishes it was a Boz Lerman movie, um, for sure. But um, but yeah, I don't. Know. I'm a, like honestly, I was kind of, I was kind of this one didn't really do much for me i was kind of i was a little disappointed like i liked i've liked all of damien chazelle's movies up to this point it's not like he's somebody who i'm like ah screw that guy um i've liked all of his movies up to this point this one just kind of feels like it feels a little bit like um the guy who doesn't drink and has, hasn't had sex with anybody in college um tries like his first beer and then this is like his retelling of what it's like to be crazy it kind of just feel for a movie that opens with this, you know, this giant party where people are like, where at one point they're panning around the party and you're seeing people in different positions having sex with one another. It feels like like saying that it's a very tame movie. Like it, it, it feels like it's kind of like pushing the boundaries for how somebody who has never been like in a boundary pushing situation would assume that the boundaries are being pushed when actually it's just kind of like this it's kind of like just this excess with no like no like real like planning or thought behind it or like or at least or like this kind of genuine like it didn't feel genuine at all it just kind of feels like it's doing that to be evocative it's like like you're supposed to be there and you're like oh my gosh there's people having sex and doing coke and you know vomiting and falling places and running out and hitting stuff and it's so real man. yeah and like you know i went and you know it's, it's kind of one of those um yeah, and it's just kind of, you know, this era is just so insane. And then, so in the rest of the movie, you kind of pick it up more. The the Manny character becomes much more involved in the Hollywood system. You see, like, Jack Conrad, the Brad Pitt character, starts, you know, at the top of the of the hill. And it's starting, you know, you see him slowly decline through the years. Um, and, and then you see Margot Robbie's character kind of rise and then fall. Um, and I don't know, it just, I think it's way too overlong um that i i didn't i just really didn't there wasn't really a character that you could like grasp onto as like this is the person i kind of want to go like ride on this thing with you know like the manny character that diago diego calva plays is just kind of personalityless. the margot robbie character is just kind of her it's very one note she's always just kind of this volatile person which is like you know fine but it, it, she just kind of plays that one note for like three the three hour runtime um and then brad pitt's kind of trying to do like more interesting stuff with the character but there's just it's just kind of a thinly written character it's really not that it really doesn't have much substance to it um and so honestly like that's how i like like it's just kind of this three hour movie of, about excess in hollywood and it just really felt like and like at the end it kind of like tries to do like that you know this era was insane and we were debauched and you know this is crazy but the movies man like i still love them even though i barely got out of it with my life like i still love the movies 
and I'm kind of, and like at the end of it, I was like, do you like the movies, Damien Chazelle? Like this whole movie seems like you fucking hate cinema and you don't like it, like Hollywood at all. And you're just kind of like, all right, like, you know, like I could, I could totally be fine with that if you didn't have like this, he has this whole montage at the end of the movie of like all, like the, the history of cinema from like, you know, the, the early 1900s to like today, like there's the scene where like they, the, the, the characters from Avatar fly through and you're just like, what the hell is going on here? Like the, the blue characters from Avatar? Yeah. And you're just like, what's going yeah. on here? Um, so I don't know. At the end of this movie. Yeah. At the end of this movie, there's a whole montage. And so, um, I don't know. Like, I, like I said, like it's, I, th- so it's supposed to be like a loving, like, send off but it's it just, came off as so brass no it's, it's it's supposed to be kind of like one of these like there's just all of this insanity and all this craziness and like everybody you know either is dead or barely got out alive and um at the end it's kind of like this reflection on but the movies still like the movies are still magic and i'm kind of like sure i'm like well, one i never felt like that was i bought that at any point throughout the course of this movie and two the movie is just so like um it's just so like mean spirited toward like the whole Hollywood process that you're just kind of like, do you like the movie? It, it, you're like, do you really like the movie? It's kind of like a, I saw somebody, it is this way, but I saw somebody describe it. It's kind of like, cause it's taking place uh, specifically in the era where sound is going into, or uh, uh, silence are going into sound. And so it's kind of like this mix between like boogie nights and singing in the rain <laughs> and at the end of the movie the character goes to the like goes to the to the theater and is watching singing in the rain and like uh after the after i saw the movie the person i was with i was just kind of like all this movie made me want to do is watch singing in the rain because it's so much better <laughs> and it covers this topic so much better um and so i don't know like I, I'll, I'll be curious to kind of get into it with michael since he's he's gonna see it as well but like it just, uh, it just felt for. It's just like a very empty movie for three hours. Yeah. I just, I, like, I. That's so long, too. Yeah. For something to say, basically nothing. Like the next movie I'm going to talk about is also three hours long, but I, it's the complete opposite. I did not feel empty at all. I felt very like cup is full here. This one just kind of felt like, like it was just kind of flailing the whole time, and I never was able to really, really link on. The other issue I had with it, just before I move on, is that it has this character. Lady Fei Zhu, who um, is um, this Chinese immigrant who in this movie is kind of um, she like makes she, she's just kind of a frequenter of these different parties um, is is clearly uh, gay and um, and uh, like does like the title cards and like the, the the speech cards for silent movies. So that's kind of why her character veers off and kind of disappears after a while. But it's it's clearly somebody who's kind of framed uh, a little bit on um, anime Wong, who is a is a you know pretty famous figure from early, the the silent era and early sound era of Hollywood, um, Chinese immigrant who came here and is like a really super interesting person. Uh, like in terms of if you like read about her history, like just just kind of a fascinating figure was this relatively you know you can kind of tell that she's clearly bisexual like this kind of bisexual beauty she's the one if you've seen um like shanghai express and a number of other uh early she's in a number of of early marlena dietrich films because she and marlena dietrich were an item for a while 
um, and is just kind of this fascinating like early queer figure in movies. And like Marlena Dietrich. Like Marlena Dietrich. Um, Marlene, but Marlena Dietrich, because she was white and German, had much a much more pronounced career than Anna Mae Wong did. Um, but just like a super interesting figure. And this is like the second piece of media between this and that Ryan Murphy, like alternative Hollywood show that they did. That's just really not given like her, like, uh, like they just kind of like in this movie, I just feel like she's there to kind of be like, Oh, it's, you know, it's showing, uh, the kind of, you know, the small amounts of diversity in Hollywood, the small amounts of diversity in like gender in Hollywood. Um, and, uh, things like that. And you're in, and she's not really given much of like, again, she's just like another, like kind of like half written character that really doesn't get much to do. And I just, and I'm kind of like, can we like just make a movie about anime Wong that like treats her like a person that like we can kind of dig into it. Cause she's a very fascinating figure and one that people should go like back and watch some of her movies with, um, with that in mind and I don't know this it just kind of annoyed me that that's how her character was treated in this movie so anyway just a little aside on my rants about um, but Babylon it's in theaters now it probably won't be for very much longer um, I just I really can't I'm having a str- I'm having a hard time recommending it to people so um, especially especially with that runtime I'm just like it's it's tough um but yeah, but let me talk about a movie that I was way more into, and I did not expect to be this into, but I guess I'm Avatar pilled now. So Avatar: Way of the Water. Um, re- I was kind of like, you know what? Screw it. I'm gonna go see this. So I watched the first Avatar for the first time since. Oh shoot, when did that movie come out? 2008, 2009. Really? 2009. 2009. Holy moly! So I had not, I had not watched Avatar since it literally came out in 2009. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um and it's fine. I don't I really I I'm kind of I think it's a you know, it doesn't it, it, it very uh, it's whatever. I'm kind of I'm kind of you know, I'm kind of just whatever to the first Avatar movie. I don't dislike it at all, but it also doesn't like I don't have this reverence that I think some people have. Um I'm way 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 more into Avatar the Way of the Water. Like this one um I'll preface also. I watched this in the IMAX 3D, eight uh, high high frame rate uh, uh, format. If you're gonna go see that, like it's it's you know it's a little pricier than a normal ticket, but like it's a it's a hundred percent worth it. It's 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 a it's a fucking ride, and you also get to see the the trailer up for the new Mission Impossible movie before it, where Tom Cruise like rides off this cliff, and it's awesome. Um, but Avatar The Way of the Water, this one, it's set um, years after the events of the first movie. This, you kind of catch up with um, the the main characters, Jake and Natiri from the first movie. And they've had, um, they've had three kids and one adopted kid who's like this... Um, She's like spawned off of the the dead avatar of Sigourney Weaver, so it's like Sigourney Weaver as like this thirteen year old uh, like teenager, which is kind of weird, but you kind of work with it. Uh, wait, wait, Sigourney Weaver's human alive? No, so Sigourney Weaver's character dies in the first Avatar. Oh right. And so they took like the the avatar body of the Sigourney Weaver character and like put her in some machine. And that's what I kind of like about this movie. It doesn't it fucking explain anything. It's just kind of like it. It's very much like the first Avatar. It just like tosses you in and kind of goes. Oh, if you figure it out, cool. But if not, I don't care. 
Um, and so they like they like cloned they like took a clone out of that body and made so it's like a teenage Sigourney Weaver avatar that Sigourney Weaver's playing, which is just kind of funny to me. I don't know. It kind of reminded me of Baby Colin Robinson from <laughs> it kind of, from what we do in the Shadow uh, Show. It's a little bit. Um, so yeah, so you're watching. So so honestly, you don't really deal with Jake and Natiri, the main characters from the first movie, like nearly as much. There, they they definitely show up a lot, but a lot of the time you're spending with these the 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 younger characters, the two son, the two sons, um, the teenage Sigourney Weaver, and this kind of this little child, the youngest of the of the kids that they have, and. Um, like I said, uh, like I said, it picks up a number of years after the first movie. The 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 amazing decision is that that they make is that they bring back to life the Stephen Lang Colonel character, the bad guy from the first movie, and they like put all of their they like they like go oh well, we like made we took like DNA that we saved so we can put them into the avatar bodies in case they die. So then like him and his team, all the bad guys from the first movie come back to life as like avatars. And it's fucking hilarious and great because I, after watching the first movie, I was like this guy, like Stephen Lang is having himself a time in this. Like it's super, it's just a silly ass crazy performance. and I love it. And so they bring him back and like, they have like all these army people like in the avatar bodies, but like I'm sure if you've seen like on Twitter or something, there's like one that like has like all camo and like these sunglasses on. He looks like, you know, some ultra military guy that you would see at like a Walmart, but he has the avatar body. So are they do they still have human like counterparts somewhere no, they're, off they're in dead. A... So they're dead. So it's just they're just the avatar people. So are they they've like are they've they... like perfected the technology to a degree where you don't have to be in the machine this time because really there's no human scenes. The only human scenes you get is you see the the scientist a little bit from um, the first movie. You see some of the military people from the uh, some new military people um, like that's led by Edie Falco, um, and then you see there's there's these two other characters including Jemaine Clement who show up later in the movie. Um, but that's about the extent of the human. The, the predominant part of this movie is all Avatar characters. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I really like this. It's like, it's just this like big, and maybe this is how it, some people attach to the first movie. I think I just kind of, it clicked with me in this one more because this movie is less, the narrative is still a mess. Like it's not, like I'm not going to come here and be like, the narrative makes a lot of, no, it's a mess. It's kind of all over the place. The acting is, is very exaggerated. It's, it's kind of, you know, but I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of just like, that's what these movies are going to be. Um, but but really like what's so fun about this is it's very much like a vibes movie like i said there's like there's two big action set pieces um but for the most part there's not a lot of action it's a lot of like them hanging out in the forest part of the of the world and then they move to the water part of the world and the water part once they get there it's kind of it's you know they're learning about all these new creatures you meet these new avatars that live like in the water that have like you know that have like different their bodies are kind of different so they're able to you know acclimate to the water a lot better you have all of these new creatures like it's so like this there's just like this large swath of the movie that's just them like hanging out learning stuff meeting creatures things like that and you're just like yeah this is awesome like this is just fun and like at the again at the same time like the this the this animation 
this you know this digital the, the digital approach that uh, James Cameron has taken is just unreal. How like realistic at times these characters look, and how realistic like the water looks, and like they're in, like the characters how they interact with like, like there's this one. Um, you know, you'll like you'll see it'll be raining and like the way like the the rain drips off of them just has this realistic quality to it. Um, the way that like, you know, a creature will splash and they'll have a splash of water, stuff like that. Like it's just it's it's insane, like the technology involved to like animate this thing. You can see why it took so long to like it took five years or whatever it did to like make this movie. Um and so, um and so yeah, I don't in terms of like again like in terms of the plot there's really not that much to get into um this time around like i said you have these the the bad guys kind of from the first one have been reincarnated as these avatar characters they're tasked with getting you know taking getting getting jake sully and his family and getting you know getting rid of them so that the humans can colonize the planet more um and so that's that's pretty much the gist of it they uh they they end up moving from like the forest to the water to kind of try to ex- escape them but um but yeah i like this going back to like just as a as a move like this just is just like this gaudy ambitious um really fucking creative just insane blockbuster that you like i again i think it's i think i've warmed to a lot of these types of movies because of how bland blockbuster filmmaking has become you know you just watch not and it's not just even marvel movies just a lot of blockbuster movies in general have become so bland and lifeless you look at like kind of the even like the television output put and it's just so it's so uninspired and so like even though this one is not a perfect movie script wise or or whatever you like have to appreciate just how like like a marvel movie or a disney movie in general when even though this is technically a disney movie but i kind of am like it's james cameron movie first off like um like a like a movie you know a marvel movie or dc movie or something like that you know like you're not going to get a scene or like 30 to 45 to an hour of scenes in black Adam where they just chill out and like engage in the world and like talk to one another that, that that doesn't further the plot at all. That's just like them hanging out. And I'm like, I kind of like that, you know, like I get why this movie's that long because there's like a long 45, you know, 30, 45 minute uh, action sequence at the end to kind of climax the whole thing. There's a pretty, a pretty big action sequence midway through that kind of goes, Hey, we got to get out of the forest place. And then other than that, it's just them kind of, hanging out and like hanging out in this world and, and like interacting with this world and like it plays up just kind of how cool and creative this whole place is and how kind of fascinating it becomes um and i kind of i'm like i, I dig that like you know i'm like we need more just kind of we need more blockbusters that are doing that that are just kind of weird that um are just kind of there to be like we're a big we're a big ass movie that you paid to go see and you're just gonna kind of like get swept up into this world for this three hours and I was I was super locked in the entire time um, I don't know I think like again like like head to the movie like I, I you may not like love this movie but I can't like I can't recommend enough like just going and experiencing it because it really is just like this. It's it's it just feels so like foreign like a, immersive immersive in like this foreign concept in like the output of of like blockbuster filmmaking today. I mean, you know, there's stuff that I you know I, I talked um, 
I talked about like in the in the in the episode last week, you know, stuff like RRR or Ambulance or Top Gun Maverick that are good. But this one is just kind of different because it's very much like it's completely even though Avatar, you know, is the 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 top movie of all time in terms of box office, like it still kind of feels like this um it doesn't. It doesn't really feel like it, it. kind of works its way as much into like just daily conversation as some as like you know Marvel or or you know Disney like art animate animated movies or DC characters or you know things like that. You know you 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 can you can hear people making references to like Captain America or Batman or stuff like that more often than Avatar, um, and so it's kind of cool just seeing like this really big ambitious um kind of laid back blockbuster like this that you know i'm just kind of like yeah like this is we need more of this because we don't need more of it's like setting up future movies because he's already said that they're going to do five movies or whatever but it's it also spends so much time just kind of letting you like sit in the world um it reminds me of um uh an interview i read with by uh, miyazaki where he's talking about um somebody asked him about like in his movies they're just kind of like these quiet moments where like the character will just sit there and like you'll just have like this intricately you know beautifully animated sequence and um but that's that has nothing to do with the plot it doesn't that the characters don't talk about anything it's just kind of quiet he's like yeah like you need to like live in the world a little bit like that you have to get immersed in it a little bit and i appreciate that like james cameron is like yeah like you're just gonna do like we need to have scenes like it'll the movies will be over long but we need that because you need to like fully invest into what this world is um and it's just kind of a lesson again to like um other movies that like if you know like with we you know like with something like black panther uh two like if you're gonna be two hours and 30 minutes or whatever like you gotta like let people sink into the world you can't just be sitting there throwing exposition at them constantly just fighting scenes fighting scenes fighting yeah because be i mean like i said like you, you could sit there and like be like well how does all this you know how does how did this happen and what and you're like and the movie doesn't really care it just kind of zooms through this is where we're it, it does like a quick montage of like this is what's happened in the interim and then it like throws you completely into the world because it's like you can sit there and like puzzle box and figure out all this shit but like that's not what you're here for you're here to like sit there in the chair on with a giant screen in front of you and like watch them like fly and swoop in the air and duck duck in the water and do that kind of shit you're like that's what you're here to do i'm sold so like i don't know i think it's a real i think it's a it's a crazy time i really enjoyed it i'm pissed that i didn't see it in time to make my list this probably would have been on my top 10 movies list oh Um, shit wow how high how high I forgot what my list was. I'd have to look. I'm, it's, <laughs> if you just like up towards the no, top, no, probably be like in the six, the seven range, six, seven, eight range. Um, okay, that's that's. It's respectful. it was also one of those where it was just like an ideal, like again, like I spent the the big money on like the the IMAX ticket, and it was so fucking worth it because right. it was just like. Like, it just immersed yeah. you. It was a good... Like, that's my overall. Like, it was just a really satisfying theater experience. Um, and I think that's what kind of sold me as well. So, Avatar Way of the Water. Zach's Avatar pilled now. I don't know what we got to do. I'm, I'm sold. I want to see it. Yeah, it's a good time. Um, all right. Well, we're going we're gonna to wrap it up with uh, one final new release. Um, Jesse, we've talked about this a little bit in, um, in previous episodes, but I figure we can dig in on Glass Onion. 
Yeah. The Knives Out mystery. Glass real, onion. Give us a um, real brief refresher. We don't have to go too deep on the on the synopsis. Uh, okay. Well, so just quick refresher is um, a, a rich character. I can't, I don't remember um, actors' names. But anyway, invites all his friends out. He's basically like an Elon Musk-like spoof character. Um, he invites all his friends out to his, like, private island. Um, and he's, like, advertising it as, like, a fun murder mystery, like, weekend. Um, but... Uh, they end up having a real murder on their hands. But bum, lucky bum, for them, bum. lucky for them, the world-renowned detective ben, Benoit Blanc, Benoit Blanc, uh, is there to help them solve the mystery. Yeah. Um. So you said you what you, you or you rewatched Dives Out the other day. What's your what are your mm-hmm. feelings toward the first one? Um. I I mean it's. It's a lot of, I mean, it's so much fun. I love it. I love, I love with both of these movies how it just, just like begs you to rewatch it because you're going to, when you have the context that you end up getting, you can see so much more. Um, I couldn't remember what the big mystery, I, I remember pieces of the mystery with the first one. Um, and I knew like the girl kind of sort of I knew there was a medical error thing and the girl was but I couldn't remember if she had actually called Benoit Blanc up to help her or not um I like I mean they're both so similar in how they help you like parse through all of the characters and stuff um but I don't know now that I've seen them both it's hard to say which one I like more because I think they're both super good I think they're both really good um, I think they both start um, kind of a little bit where you're watching it and you're like, oh, I, I know what's going to happen. I can already guess what's going to happen. With this one, um, the beginning especially, it reminded me a lot of Bodies, 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 um, especially in the scene where the lights go out and everybody's like kind of crawling around the house and they're very suspicious of each other because somebody just got killed and they don't know who did it and they're suspicious of it all. They're all suspicious of each other. The whole thing, that that up to that point really reminded me of Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. And then it just we just buckle in and have like a whole third act that takes the whole everything and recontextualizes everything. And, um, I wasn't totally sure how sold I was on glass onion as I was first watching it. I should also say we watched on Netflix and we watched it on Andrew's dad's TV, which is a nice TV, but it has that motion smoothing thing. So for a while I was just like, man, this is just not, this is just okay. And then Andrew halfway through the movie switched it and it felt like it felt like we literally started watching a different movie. But I think right around then was when the plot started to kind of turn in on itself a little bit. Um, I think that's what's great about both is that they they have a way of kind of creating these sort of predictable characters in sort of predictable scenarios. But then everybody has like more or less depth than they originally appear to have. And somehow they end up taking those scenarios that you think you understand completely and just turning them in such fun ways. The dialogue I think is just really, really fun. Um, and I, I just didn't, I didn't see where I had no idea like where it was going to take it. And it's just a lot of fun. I, I think that they're, they're both really, really strong movies. You've seen both, right? Yeah, um, I, st- I, wa- I rewatched it again. Uh, 
I rewatched Glass Onion because we saw it at TIFF. Um, I rewatched it again when it came out a couple uh, or last week or whatever, um, or two weeks ago, and um, I still kind of I, I don't like it as much as the first one. I think the first one kind of rolls together a little bit more. This one, um, it just kind of takes too long to. I, I I felt this way when I saw it the first time, but it just kind of takes too long to like really get really get cooking you know mm-hmm. um it really does take a long when it gets, time in the exponent, when, uh, when it does it's very good it's yeah. very entertaining but like it just takes so long to kind of get there that you're just kind of like all right like well yeah and you're sort of like what is this movie but then i don't know by the time it gets where it's getting it's like i appreciate all of it i really want to rewatch it and i just watched it like a week or two ago but yeah i think it does really take its time with the exposition so much I will say though, like I hope that they kind of, I hope that Ryan Johnson keeps kind of making yeah. these, uh, whether periodically or not, just because I, I, I do think that, um, I think they're just kind of fun, and I think the, 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 you know, the annoying thing is that, um, the way like we, we just look at, at we look at movies like so like harshly the first time, um, that it's just kind of like, oh well, this wasn't good. We got to stop making them, and you're like, no, like. I feel like if, you know. I feel like if if he makes like eight of these over his career, like some of them are gonna be good, some of them are not gonna be that good. Some are gonna be like whatever, you know. I'm thinking about like so many different, um, you know, series of movies. Even if it's something like Nightmare on Elm Street or like like or Friday, like like kind of those horror series where, and even like Agatha Christie movies and adaptations and stuff like that. Like some of them are really good. Some of them are fine. Some of them aren't good. You know, you're just kind of like, yeah, just like throw them all out. Like it doesn't always, we don't have to just be banger after banger. Like it's not always that case. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, I think, like I said, they're, they're so similar, but just different enough. And I don't know, maybe it's like the context. Cause the first one, this is in this eerie kind of gothic old house. And this is just a completely different setting, completely different tone. But they're still so they still have like such similar like structure. I like how he develops these just total shithead characters. Like every one of almost all of his characters are just like so shitty in such like relatable and identifiable ways. Um, Like the the Instagram influencer who's starting to become like a men's rights activist, um, or like the I don't know. He just. It's neat. I don't know. I enjoy it. I enjoy, I guess, the way he kind of comments and like draws up these caricatures of the types of people we see, you know, in, in life. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I was reading that, you know, people kind of complain that it seems very like online. It seems very, um, it's, it's, it seems very, um, like very aware of like current events and that might not age very well. And I'm like, I mean, and people have made the, 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 the point that, yeah. Um, but that's also what the case was with a lot of these types of movies. Like they're very like of, of an age. Um, and so I don't know, I'm kind of, I, I hope that he keeps making them. He didn't, you know, don't, don't sit there and just make these Ryan Johnson. Cause I, I enjoy your other movies as well, but like, I hope he kind of just like him and Daniel Craig just kind of hook up, you know, keep hooking up again and like making these occasionally and like mixing up the cast. Cause I agree. I think they're fun. 
It's and I and I kind of like the whole like exercise of like all right, let's like how are you gonna kind of rework this again, mm-hmm. you know, this time or mm-hmm. something like that. And still and still do something completely unique. Um, and and I think too when you've seen two of them, you know, you, you think okay, I got this, I know, I know, but then you don't, you don't. And I like how they they turn it and I don't know how many times well, can they do also- it? I don't know, but I hope that they keep doing it. Yeah, and it's an opportunity also just to kind of, like, let actors play around. Like, you kind of have Daniel Craig doing his thing, but, like, you know, you think about, like, the first movie and, like, the performances by, like, um, Jamie Lee Curtis and Chris Evans and things like that. And then, like, in this movie, like, Janelle Monet and uh, Dave Bautista and Edward, you know, like, what they're kind of doing with it. You know, I'm just kind of like, yeah, it's, they're fun little exercises. It's, it, it's very, you know, it's kind of, it's, they're, they're almost, like, somewhat similar to, like, the Muppet movie we're about to talk about where, like, you have these actors who just kind of pop, you know, famous people who pop up and, like, do a little thing that's kind of fun. I'm like, I don't know. Like, whatever. This seems like the, the... Like if we're gonna be doing that, this seems to be the mo- the kind of optimal way to be doing that nowadays, rather than you know making them pop up in skin tight suits and you know be Kortor the Conqueror or whatever. So just real anti superhero movies today, I guess. Yeah, well, but not anti Avatar. Dude, no, Avatar slaps. <laughs> anyway, um, Glass Onion's a lot of fun. Definitely check it yeah. out. Yeah. All right, we're gonna. We're gonna um, we're gonna get the music and light the lights. We're gonna put on some makeup. We're gonna meet the Muppets. We're gonna meet the Muppets after this short break. Why are there so many songs about rainbows? And what's on the other side? Rainbows are visions. But only illusions And rainbows have nothing to hide So we've been told And some choose to believe it I know they're wrong Wait and see Someday we'll find it The rainbow connection The lovers the dreamers and me. Who said that every wish would be heard and answered when wished on the morning star? And we're back with part two of episode 437 of Cinematary. In this part, we're going to be kicking off our Muppet series with the Muppet movie from 1979. Directed by James Frawley from a script by Jerry Jewell and Jack Burns. The film stars Jim Henson, Frank Oz, Charles Durning, and Austin Pendleton, along with a large number of celebrity cameos. Um, After Kermit the Frog decides to pursue pursue a movie career, he starts his cross-country trip from Florida to California. Along the way, he meets and befriends Fozzie Bear, Miss Piggy, Gonzo, and rock musicians Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem. When Kermit is offered a job by Doc Hopper to advertise the fried frog legs at his restaurant chain, Kermit turns Hopper down. However, Hopper refuses to relent and pursues Kermit and his companions to a final showdown. When the film was released in 1979, the Emmy Award-winning television series The Muppet Show was the highest-rated syndicated show in the U.S. and had an estimated 235 million television viewers in 102 countries. Uh, producer and Muppet performer Jim Henson, who created the, uh, the puppet characters in their comedy variety show, 
described the Muppet movie as the reverse approach of the series. On television, the Muppets invited guests to their stage, whereas in the film, the characters ventured into the real world for the first time. The character Lou Lord, played by uh, Orson Welles, was named in honor of British entertainment executive Sir Lou Grade, whose uh, company, Association Film Distribution, served as domestic distributor for the film. Uh, Grade was already familiar with the potential of the Muppet brand. He agreed to fund Henson's concept for a television show after U.S. networks turned down the opportunity to give the puppet characters their own series. Based in London, Grade uh, arranged for the show to be taped at the company studios there and distributed the program worldwide through his organization. Um, and in that, uh, it, you know, subsequent, subsequently led to the international popularity of the Muppets. Uh, sets for the film were constructed six feet high to conceal the puppeteers underneath, who were equip- equipped with instant video playback monitors to observe their performance as it was being filmed. For the sequence of Kermit the Frog playing the banjo in the swamp, a, bathys- a sphere or airtight underwater container was built to hold performer Jim Henson. During the three days it took to film the scenes, Henson operated Kermit's mouth and head, while the hands were maneuvered by uh, ro- ro- remote controls. In a uh, concept designed by special effects expert Robbie Knott, cars were customized for the Muppet driving scenes. Guided by video cameras and monitors, Knott steered the vehicle from the trunk while puppeteers were tucked beneath the dashboard and other areas of the car. Director James Frawley noted that the filmmakers tried to minimize the use of visual and optical effects through creative camera work in keeping with Henson's concept of Muppets as a cross between the art of hand puppetry and marionettes. Raleigh placed Muppets in the foreground of the frame to augment their size, but also tried to compose them as full figures to avoid an image that was too confining. Not explained that the giant version of Animal was not a miniature or a robot, but an actual 55-foot puppet operated by two people. Um, which is insane. Uh, the music... That's... Wow. So the, in that big like showdown scene in the yeah, West... Yeah, it's like a, it's that's like a, a whole-ass whole... puppet. Uh, the action, the musical, the musical finale on the Hollywood soundstage involved over 250 Muppet characters and required the participation of 137 members from the organization Puppeteers of America. The film's music and lyrics were written by Paul Williams and Kenneth Asher. Regarding the music's composition, Williams said, quote, Jim Henson gave you more creative freedom than anybody I've ever worked with in my life. I said, you want to hear the songs as we're writing them? He said, no, I'll hear them in the studio. I know I'm going to love them. You just don't get that kind of freedom on projects these days. In 1979, the New York Times said the Muppet movie, which introduces two motion pictures, Kermit the Frog, Fozzie the Bear, uh, Miss Piggy and the rest of Jim Henson's extraordinary puppets we know from Sesame Street and The Muppet Show demonstrates once again that there's always room in movies for unbridled uh, amiabil- amiability when it's governed by intelligence and wit. The film is straight is a straight-from-the-shoulder Muppet spoof of all those movies in which real-life celebrities it reenact the lives that led them to become famous enough for the movies to be made about them. In 1979, the LA Times said, as you might well expect, it is hip, fun, funny, technically ingenious, fast-moving, melodious, uh, richly produced, contemporary, and equally and utterly beguiling to grown-ups and small persons. And in 1979, Roger Ebert said, Al uh, Jolson sang, Barrymore spoke, Garbo laughed, and now Kermit the Frog rides a bicycle. The Muppet movie not only stars the Muppets, but for the first time shows us their feet. And if you can figure out how they were able to show Kermit pedaling across the street, then you are less you are less of a romantic than I am. I prefer to believe he did it himself. <laughs> did they? Did you? Do you have the scoop on how he did it? Oh, I'm sure they 
they just puppeted it. I don't know. I'm I'm gonna be with Ebert. Just say let it. You know, let it be. Um, all right. Well, let's. Uh, had you as our as our Muppet series person, had you uh, seen this movie before? What's your What's your impression of the first ever Muppet movie? Oh yeah, I've seen it before for sure. This is the third time I think I've seen it. Um, I don't know. There's just I think it's fun to compare it and the and the show, which is why I wanted to compare the two and just kind of see how different the characters are portrayed. Um, and just kind of see how how much like they physically evolved to from like the pilot episode. Yeah, we'll to... we'll start there. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the pilot episode of the Muppet Show. Um, yeah, the the format the format is uh is a little different. Like like I mentioned, this is kind of like the first um, you know. It's kind of like a it's like a almost like a sitcom kind of thing where you have the thing itself, the stage, but then there's all like the behind the scenes. Um, stuff too not i almost compared it to the office but it's not really like that because there's not they're not like interviewing anybody you're just it's not just the show itself it's also like all the shenanigans behind the set that kermit is having to deal with constantly which i think is funny because they make him out to be like this loving sweet like just guy with a big dream in the show but i feel like he's a little bit of a dick in the or in the in the movies but i feel like he's a little bit of a dick in the show or kind of just like grumpy and stressed out, and like everybody gets on his nerves a little bit. Well, I I've been re I've been rewatching the Larry Sanders show, which is this which is a sitcom from um, the the nineties that uh, you know is spoofing you know a late night talk show host and like just kind of the machinations behind that. And this kind of reminded me a little bit of that, where it's almost it's also kind of spoofing a late night talk show. Uh, you know, in like the Johnny Carson, uh, Merv Griffith, like you know that Dick uh, Dick Cavett kind of way, um, but you know it's also just like you, you include like Muppets. Um, <laughs> um, it's you know it's it's a uh, it is kind of different. I think. Um, but they're all just like their own little character. You know, they're all very sincere, and I, I love how in the world of the Muppet universe. There's just humans and there's Muppets and there's animals that are the same animals as those Muppets, but there's not really a distinction either. Everybody's treated the same, except that people eat yeah, frogs. Yeah, you know the the, the so. thing that I always like about whether it's the Muppet Show or the or the Muppet Movie, I like how um, <clears throat> like it's never questioned. Oh, this is like a you know, is there a puppet with me? You're like, you know, it's like, it just kind of is taken as, as, as is that there are Muppets living amongst us in the world that we, that you just kind of go, Oh, it's a Muppet. You know, it's like, it's like, you know, it's like seeing, uh, you know, seeing a cat or something. You're just like, Oh yeah, it's, that's just in the world too. A frog, a pig. Yeah. And they just talk. Um, so much of the show, I, I love, I love them both. I mean, I love just the concept of the Muppets and I, I read part of the, this Jim Henson autobiography a while back. I never finished it. Um, but it talked so much about like kind of his rise and how he kind of got the Muppets was like really kind of his big dream. And I think he, he would have liked to even do more with them, but his, his like whole push for them because he stayed with children's for so long with Sesame street, Sesame street came first. Um, but his vision for them was always that like, this can be for adults. This isn't just like puppets and this like, this medium does not just have to be like for little like kitschy things for kids like this this can be serious and kind of still be for kids a little bit but also um 
can be for more of an adult audience. Like, I think the original Muppet show came on at night. It wasn't a daytime show for, like, little children. Um, and just reading so much about, like, how he, you know, grew it and how he learned and really just, like, really broke his, broke it, like, busted his ass, like, learning all of these really intense um, ways to maneuver them and he would practice in the mirror and, and like his relationship to the franchise was so intense his wife and him actually like split before he died a couple of years before he died because like they just she 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 was his business partner for basically before she was even in a romantic relationship with him and it, it just like she's like too much muppets intense. yeah it was too much because he took it so seriously i mean he was almost like a method person for just like how intense it was so wrapped up in his head and i know there was a part of it too in the story i mean he really popularized i think puppetry in america because i think before jim henson puppets weren't really i mean they're still not really like a huge deal i guess but they really weren't much and he did this whole tour in europe where he saw all these different like puppet groups performing um just so he could learn and take notes and, and try to bring some of that to America. So what did you think of the show? It was good. No, I enjoy it. It's, you know, it kind of, it has its, uh, you know, it's, again, it's, it's set up. It reminded me even more than like a late night show. It reminded me more of like a, a um, variety show, like of uh, around that time, like some, something more like the Smothers Brothers or, or, you know, proto, um, proto like SNL. Um because it uh you know it's kind of just it goes from like it has a nice flow of like bit guest you know or or sketch guest sketch like and everything's kind of being uh like you described being kind of um um you know binded in between by something going on backstage or something going on in the theater somewhere or or statler and waldorf or like you know it has all these different characters in different places that it can kind of like bind the different things without having to go like and now it's so and so doing this you know it's just kind of like you'll like you know a sketch will happen they'll cut to statler and waldorf and they'll like make a comment and they'll cut back and there's like something else happening um you know i also kind of like that the guest seems like they're enjoying it they're just like it's like they're kind of like this you know it's just like they again they just kind of find it very very like jovial and silly they're like this is great um you know i'll, I'll i'm fine playing off of kermit i love the guests because i've seen the whole first season i love the guests that talk to them just like they would talk to anybody but it must be a weird thing to talk to to talk as if you're talking to a person but you're just talking to you know a yeah. frog that just happens to move in kind of this funny way. But some of the guests like her, she does a really good job just kind of standing up and talking and making the eye contact and not really seeming like she's doing any kind of funny odd thing. Yeah. For reference, the, the episode we watched was uh, with Juliet Prowse, um, who is a, uh, a, dancer. A, a dancer. Yeah. And what did you think of the dancing sequence in it with the, pu- with, like it kind of it was cool. Yeah. It was so cool. <laughs> Um, they, they do this really neat sequence where she's kind of dancing a ballet, but they have these, um, like tall human sized puppets that are kind of like dancing and doing like ballet moves with her. But then I don't know if it's like a special effect thing or something that they do on the stage that can be really hard to see or to tell like where the stage setting ends and if they're like going into some kind of special effects thing with it, where you don't see anything but like the moving puppets and I don't know. 
it's just like really mesmerizing to me. I love how beautiful it is, but like so talented and no, it was a cool, and it's a kind of just like a this like cool little little sequence, and it you know it's it's it, it kind of I can see how it was something um, that people uh, uh, latched onto that was a little different. You know, it's different than like the guest going like on a talk show or doing something like that. It's like you go there and you talk a little bit, but then you like maybe do a little short performance with the Muppets, which is kind of fun. Um, no, I liked it. I, you know, I, it, like I said, it kind of reminded me of. It felt very in tune with like a variety show of of that time period, um, and so like I can see why you know what when watching the movie when people like Steve Martin or um, Mel Brooks show up um, in this like it makes sense like those are sketch those are sketch comedians those are you know people coming from Smothers Brothers and SNL and things like that. Yeah. So then. Tell me a little bit, like, as you kind of watched the show and then the movie, what did you think? Um, the movie, the, yeah, you know, the movie's, um, the movie's good because, you, like you said, it kind of, like, really establishes the, um, really establishes the personalities. Like, you kind of get a little bit more time with everybody. You can see that three years later, it's a, they're a little bit more developed. You know, the first episode you watch, um, Miss Piggy's not really there. Um, the only get... thing she does is like I think what like the choir scene and she just goes I love him like she's talking about Kermit. I love the way she says that like Kermit and then she goes I love him just so quick yeah um, but like yeah she's not really she's not really prominent you kind of get a little bit of like Fozzie Bear and some other folks but you know the ones who are like much more um, you know Kermit's pretty pretty much the same as you see him throughout um uh, Statler and Waldorf are the same. They like just come in and start shit talking people. Um, it's just kind of funny that like you know they start to kind of develop their personalities, and then you add more. So like when you're watch, if you watch like the pilot episode like we did, and then you watch um, you watch this movie, there's like a bunch of other characters who I was familiar with because I've seen later Muppet stuff, but are not you aren't in that first episode. Um, but no, the, I thought the I, I enjoyed the movie. I didn't like it as uh, we'll watch it next week. But I I'd previously seen Great Muppet um, Caper, uh, Great Muppet, which I think I, I think it's just a little bit more complete of a movie. This one, this one, this one feels you know even though it's different, they you know they describe it as a little bit different from the television show in that it's you know Muppets interacting in the real world. It still has a little bit of like that sketch show. It reminds me of like when they take you know sketches from like snl like wayne's world or you know things like that and like develop it into a movie where you're kind of go you're like you have this character who works so well in like a you know just a like kind of a a short sketch and you're trying to prolong it to different things which isn't necessarily a bad thing but it's like it kind of feels like that where you have some scenes generally like with the the doc hopper character you know who's kind of like propelling the narrative that kind of bridges things together but most of it is just kind of like you know it's kind of sketch with muppets happening and they'll move on to the next set of muppets and you just got you know like he meets fozzy bear then he meets gonzo then he meets miss piggy then he meets you know dr teeth and they like you know like it just kind of moves on to those different things and along the way also you just kind of have like these these great um these these cameos of varying degrees um I think I think my favorite uh, outside of the Orson Welles one at the end, um, 
I also like uh, Steve Martin as like the overly obnoxious waiter. Overly it's just, like, rude, like weirdly hostile, but they don't well, even pick up on it. Well, it's playing off of like that's just kind of like it, like that's what's funny about it because that's kind of the the characters he would play, you know, in in uh, in on like SNL sketches and some of his early movies and like and it's funny because he's like playing that off the the Muppets like it's a real like he like pops the what does he say it's sparkling mezcal he twists uh, it off he he twists it he's like this is the, he's like this is the uh, this is, the, you know, some of the best stuff from Idaho. And, like, just twists it off and, like, pops the cap. And would you like to uh, smell the cap? <laughs> yeah, he's good. Like, like, the Steve Martin thing, it, it's just great. Uh, <laughs> uh, that was the one that kind of stood out to me. I did, like, Dom DeLuise, who's just, like, randomly uh, rowing a boat in the middle of a swamp when he finds Kermit. Uh, that one's kind of just a fun one. But, no, the top one is just uh, at the end when... Orson Welles, you know, swings around the desk and goes, you know, bring out the standard rich and famous contract for Mr. I Kermit the Frog. It's such a sinister scene, but then it's like what he's saying is so kind. No, it's, you know, it's it, it, they were just like, Orson, just say, you know, deliver the line like you're delivering, you know, delivering a line in Hamlet. And uh, thank you. <laughs> and that's what he does. But yeah, um, I like how they play with... Like, they say at the beginning of the movie, this is a retelling of how we became what we became. But then they play with that, like, they're self-aware within the movie that they're making a movie, but they barely draw attention to it. But then they do every now and then, like, Kermit will make a joke, but then he'll kind of look at the camera like, did you hear that? I made a joke. Like, the Harry Krishna thing, I think they reference it, like three or four Kill, times in killer the... harry krishna jokes let me tell you <laughs> and then at one point he's like oh no this is gonna be a running gag like he's like oh we're look look at this goofy thing that we decided to do but i'm the one who's doing it and it's also my movie <laughs> it's so silly or the the bit where they show up and they find they meet electric mayhem and then they're like oh well i don't want to we don't like rehash the whole thing here just read the script and then they proceed to read the entire it's so goofy I think my favorite joke in that one is when they like open the door and they're like performing and they go, I don't think they're Presbyterians because <laughs> um, they're playing in the church. Uh, yeah, I think I think the other thing that's just kind of neat and we, that's why I wanted to mention in the notes the um, a lot of like the technical stuff behind the scenes. But like um, the way the way that, you know, it's, it, you know, it, it, it doesn't it very much feels like you know it, it feels like they're puppets but there's like the, a degree of charm to it but at the same time it doesn't feel like they're puppets um and like the lengths that they went into to like kind of develop um just the look of the film so that you know you're not getting like the strings attached or anything you're just kind of like getting them you know completely like they're, they're like really like really really cognizant of how to like bring as realistically as you can bring the muppets into the real world um like a lot of that's just you know like whether they're driving in the car or just the various like the the different scenes that they're able to perform with the knowledge that yeah they're like they're like doing puppetry under it um it's just like astounding when you when you kind of think about that small thing and then you look at like the different set pieces in this movie you're just like how much like effort is going into just this small scene right and you think like that looks complicated surely it isn't that no 
Like, if you looks complicated, it absolutely was overly complicated, and they did it. Like, I can't remember which movie it is, but there's a scene where somebody's, like, floating, and they couldn't do it underwater because water just kind of, like, drenched them. So I think they had to have, like, the puppet floating in oil or something just bizarre. Like, if it looks complicated, chances are it is more complicated than you would imagine to pull off. Yeah, it, it kind of it feels to me like very um, indebted to like the the early, early days of movies where like you have directors like George Melius coming up with different tricks to kind of like, you know, play with magic for the audience because you have this new form of storytelling. And like like to, to, to me, like watching that, watching Mupp, the, the Muppet movie and, and even the movies after like it's it, there's like this kind of. Um, just kind of like technical appreciation that you kind of have to have and um you know this kind of just movie magic approach of like i appreciate the lengths and the creativity that they do to like develop these these set pieces and these scenes because you know it's kind of like we're gonna make this as realistic as we possibly can um even if that means i guess putting a muppet in oil to like it you know look like they're underwater right they they're all about the craft, and I love that. I love it. What do you? What was your favorite song? Um, I like Rainbow Connection. That's one. That one's a good one. I also like. Uh, I I also like that they in the episode of the the pilot episode they had mana mana. <laughs> which, you can't. You gotta. Like, you gotta know where that comes which from. Which I really love that because I like the part where he's he's doing Manama and he's like walking out the door and then he leaves and then he, he calls, calls on the phone and they go Manamana. <laughs> it's just stupid. I enjoyed it. Um, no, I like that one. Um, moving along's fun. Moving right along is my favorite. Oh my that one's a fun one. Who's your um, favorite character in this movie? Um, I don't know. I like Rolf the dog. He's fun. I love the um, dramatic women suck song that they sing. And then, like, then he finds out Piggy, yeah, Piggy has been kidnapped. After they get done, like, trash talking women. Oh, yeah. Their women suck song. I love Whittle. Uh,. Do you feel as somebody who's seen like all the other stuff before? What, what kind of what do you feel like sets apart this movie from, like, um, the Great Muppet Caper, but also like the literary ones we're going to talk about? You know, the kind of reintroduction ones. Like, what about this? Um, do you feel like this kind of sets the sets the the level? You know, well. What do you think? Do you feel like this kind of sets the level in terms of? Um, you know what where the muppets end up going with movies huh i mean it's hard to say i like i like looking at the older ones and then as we're going to move into the newer ones too because as time goes on some of the actors like jim henson dies um and he didn't even direct this one i think the only one he directed is the is the great muppet caper um but the way that it's kind of setting up who these people are that they're going to end up playing with later and kind of expanding on. And even especially when they do adaptations and the characters are playing characters, um, the way they kind of have them like an actor acting as this character acting as, I don't know. I think it's, it's just fun how they do that 
over and over as a franchise and it's it's fun to kind of see the character at its roots of like this is kind of what they were going for but then how they kind of expand on it um a little bit more and more with each yeah well it's like you know like when when you know we're gonna talk about treasure island and wizard of oz and so it's like you have like the muppet characters playing the from yeah so you have these literary adaptations where you've probably read the book or you've seen like a movie version or whatever of like you know of wizard of oz or, or treasure island but then you're like seeing like the interpretation of it of you know the muppet character which is interpretation from the actor so like it's just kind of this like three level thing going on um i'm sure we'll talk about that in that episode for sure Mm -hmm. no i think that's what i'm saying is i think i think it's fun to just kind of watch those layers of it when they do the adaptations um and even like we watched christmas carol a few weeks ago for chris like over christmas um and i like how they introduce and it will we're not talking about it for this series, but they introduce like Kermit as this character or Fozzie Bear as this character. They don't say like Jim Henson playing Kermit playing like they don't. So I don't know. I think even as adaptations, they're, they're really strong. I mean, I think that just the series, I don't know. I'm really curious to hear what you think as we go on. And if, if you, if it grates on you or if you have fun with it. No, I like the Muppets. They're fun. Yeah. I enjoy them. Um, it's hard to explain to people why I'm, like, obsessed with them, but I don't know. There's just something, like, just wholesome but hilarious about them, and you just enjoy spending time with them and seeing what they do and how they, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, as as we talked about, like, um, between the first episode and the and the movie, like, they, they've all kind of developed these their own little, like, you know the 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 actors and Henson and his company like they all kind of develop these personalities for the different. Um, I'd be curious. I'm sure I could. You know, if I had more time to kind of do some research, you could probably learn about like how that developed over time. Whether that was like, you know, the actor who was playing them, or they kind of like mapped out. The, you know, this is how I want Kermit the Frog to act, or something like that. Um, beforehand, but I would be curious to kind of learn. Um, what that process was like, you know, you know, that they, they kind of have a, a sheet of like, this is how I want Fozzie Bear to be like, this is how I want Miss Piggy to be like, you know, like kind of like, or was it just kind of, did they just like naturally kind of see where the character went and see how people see like what people were reacting to best with the characters? Yeah. I think at least Kermit and Sam, Sam the Eagle, um, were some of the oldest characters, like, or some of the very, very first, like, puppet characters that he ever had. Uh, they developed over time, and I think Kermit wasn't originally, like, a big deal, and also I think he wasn't originally green. He might have been blue. Um, but, yeah, like, how they how they decide to pinpoint exactly who this character is and d- develop a personality. And I think a lot of it, too, isn't just Jim Henson, but the, the you know, the other performers that he collaborated with for so many years kind of making their own characters or like you know kind of bringing them to life in their own way yeah and you also like you know jim henson played multiple characters you have somebody like frank oz who has been a part of it for so long who played you know multiple characters um yeah and it's just kind of you know you think about like the degree of work that the henson company did on other stuff whether it was like you know Jim Henson directing something like Labyrinth or, you know, the work they did, you know, on Sesame Street, but also like, 
you know, you have characters in like the original trilogy of Star Wars movies with like hint that you know the Jim Henson character uh, uh, controlled things like that. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting. Um, you know, like it's it's fun to kind of look at that also and kind of see the the range of puppetry to it as well. Um, because like I think of like Yoda and other like characters in the original Star Wars trilogy that are relatively limited like they don't you know they're not doing too much moving around and it's you know even now today people like kind of laugh at how i'd like the the hokiness at least in their eyes of like you know how yoda moves around and like return of the jedi and things like that or in uh and that's that's henson yoda yeah that's the henson company worked on that And 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 then you look at like the muppets and like um you know i like you know in comparison to like those characters in like star wars um i do like the there's kind of like this um flexibility and more like mobility to the to the muppets like they're able to like they seem much more like um like you like they're like they're not very stiff like they feel like they can kind of move around and have you know i'm like thinking of um the the song and dance number in the pilot episode with Fozzie Bear and um, was it whatever that guy's name is I forgot what they name um, but like you know Fozzie Bear's like taking his hat off and like moving it around and like throwing it and stuff like that and like the character there's the like the little like uh, I only whatever fucking creature it is in in Return of the Jedi with Jabba the Hutt he's just like sitting there like laughing and like can only move like this far. Um, it's just very like limited so it's like the muppets are kind of fun because they're just very um they're much more mobile they just kind of feel um you know lifelike but like they 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 feel like they can do a little bit more than just kind of like move forward and and side to side and things like that there is like this kind of there's a personality in their movement i guess is what i'm trying to say they breathe so much life into and like expressiveness like into some of them like you know, just simplest looking things, even things with no eyes or I don't know, just like so, so limited facial characteristics. They're able to make so much expression just from like little subtle movements of their hands. You know, they have to practice in front of a mirror so long to like. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's just very creative and it's, it's so neat. Um, I love yeah. Um, any th- final thoughts on, uh, on, uh, the the pilot episode in the first Muppet movie. I'm just excited for the series. I'm curious to hear how the rest of it goes. Yeah. Um we'll say it just this once because, you know, I don't want to like out really just be sitting there promoting Disney Plus, but most of these you can find on Disney Plus. Um they had the entire they have the entire Muppet show as well as this first movie. Definitely check out the show. The original show is so fun it's so good yeah i think the first two episodes especially are just really good no and like i was just like i was rolling through the at least the first season of just like who some of the guests are and i'm like like i'm like oh i would love to watch an episode with harvey corman and the muppets because harvey corman's super funny and uh, you got the muppets with him sounds hilarious um all right well that'll wrap up this episode you can find us uh you can find cinematary if you'd like to learn more on facebook at facebook.com slash cinematary on twitter and instagram at handle at cinematary and on letterbox at letterbox.com slash cinematary where you can catch up 
with all the movies that we talked about in this episode. Um, if you'd like to support the show, whether that's one dollar, five dollar, you know, twenty, you know, whatever you want to support, if you just want to throw us a buck, so that next time we have a Patreon pick series, you can subject us to something. Um, go to Patreon.com/slash/Cemetery and uh, and donate there. Um, thank you to our patrons: Cam, Chad Newsom, Candace Sisson, Ron Hayes, Teresa Marthothi, Titus Arthur, and Tyler Chandler. Thank you so much for. Uh, supporting the show next week like we said we're going to be talking about the great Muppet caper um, as we continue through the Muppet series Um, but until then thank you all for listening we'll see you next week